Wild dog control is a huge issue for many wool growers across Australia, and it's a problem that's not going away. Consistent control is key to ensuring the health and welfare of your sheep flock against wild dog attacks. Ella, could you take a guess as to what wild dogs cost the Australian wool industry per year? Look, Ben, I actually have no idea. That's fair enough. It's sitting around $24 million, uh, a major hit to the industry, with the worst areas affected losing up to 25% of their lambs to wild dogs. You're listening to The Yarn, a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Ben. And I'm Ella. And today we'll hear from key people in the, in the industry who are working tirelessly on wild dog control. Ella, you spoke to a number of producers at the National Wild Dog Control Steering Committee meeting about the issues in their areas and what control methods are working for them. Who did you get to talk to? Yeah, Ben, as you said, I did speak to a number of producers who are all heavily involved in wild dog control and also in the industry in general. Firstly, I spoke to Chris Patmore and Karen Huskinson. So Karen is from the southeast of Queensland and she's a stud merino sheep breeder. She's the stud sheep representative on the Agforce Sheep and Wool Board and is also the chair of the Wild Dog Committee for Agforce. Chris Patmore is from the other side of the country and in the central west and northeast wheat belt in WA, about 300 kilometres north of Perth, and he runs a large commercial merino sheep enterprise. Karen has dealt with wild dogs for a very long time, but as Chris says, the issue is new to them in his part of WA. We're only newcomers to this wild dog problem. Um, the, the pastoral areas in WA have had it for quite a few years, but, but I'm in the agricultural areas um, and we're just newcomers. We're learning all about it pretty rapidly because we have to. Um, I've lost significant numbers of sheep in the last few years to wild dogs. Um, we've got a lot of baiting and trapping going on. Um, we're getting mixed results. Um, some of the, the doggers are, are getting good results. Um, the problem we're rapidly finding is that the dogs are smarter than us. Um, we're not sure if we're going to win the war. Um, we're winning the, some of the battles. Um, we'll just have to play it by ear. We've been looking at fencing. None of us have, have actually done any fencing in the agricultural areas, to my knowledge, um, to, to stop dogs. But it's something that I've certainly um, considered. I've done some budgeting on it. It horrifies me. I'm not even going to mention it to the bank manager. <laughs> But it's something we might have to do a few years down the track if we can't get on top of the dog problem. And Karen, you come from an area that has really been heavily affected by wild dogs. Could you explain this, please? Yeah, it's a little, I'm a little bit passionate about this because um, it encompasses like all of our central western Queensland, which is our massive sheep growing and wool growing areas in Queensland. So, yeah, I've been... Um, part of the National Wild Dog Committee from its inception when they were actually writing the plan. Um, I got involved with them then so I've sort of been with the National Wild Dog Committee all the way through um, and hence my my input from AgForce as well, chairing the AgForce Committee. So that's over the all the commodity boards, the cattle and everything else. So um, yeah, we're pretty passionate in Queensland when it comes to wild dogs. Obviously the issue is that there's becoming more and more problems with wild dogs. What has your area done to start working on um, trying to control this? Yeah, look, traditionally it was baiting and, and it always has been since time began uh, was the baiting concept with wild dogs. 
but that um, with the downfall of the sheep and wool industry in the 80s and um, the floor price scheme and everything else, like that, that sort of was the repercussions. Everyone got out of sheep, so then baiting stopped and consequently wild dogs sort of became an epidemic. And um, now we've found that exclusion fencing, cluster fencing um, has been the, the way to go in, in com- combating that, but then you've also got to eradicate the dogs on the inside of those clusters and some of those are proving a bit of a hard thing to do you know they can get them down to the last one or two but then they become very very smart Um, and these cluster fences encompass a number of farms is that right yes they do and um, although the clusters have been reduced in size in the beginning it it was it was an area-based size that was in the cluster now it's come down to two or three properties can actually be in a cluster so it's actually allowed people in the southern areas that are the smaller sheep and wool growing areas like in our um, trap rock country and and in our area uh, uh, to be able to access some of this funding that is out there for cluster fencing the subsidies and that sort of thing whereas we couldn't access that before because our areas weren't big enough. And the funding for these cluster fences, is it government or industry funded? Um, AWI actually does contribute to that. Well, in a way, not actual the physical funding to it. They've actually bought a plant in Queensland, which is, is accessed through the Longreach Council. So that's the way that they've helped the producers up there. But yes, we've been lucky in Queensland. We've got a lot of government, state and federal government funding to help farmers access that it does not um, fund the entire fence it is only a small subsidy towards the um, equipment as in the fencing materials for the fence the rest of the issue the actual standing of the fence and all that is up to the producer to do that. 4,000 lambing merino uses a substantial number so you're obviously um, pretty keen on the industry. Yeah I've been a sheep producer all my life Um, in the early 90s after the crash of the uh, wool reserve price scheme most of my neighbours moved over to cropping Um, some still have a few sheep I stuck with the sheep for a while there I didn't know if I was 10 years behind the times or 10 years ahead of the times but we're we're back in the money now with with the meat and the wool we're all thinking where to next where do you think the industry is going Chris I think the industry's got a positive future Um, we saw good prices back in the late 80s um, but that wasn't a fundamental price rise. That was driven by the reserve price scheme, which was ultimately ill-fated. Um, this time around, it's different. Uh, it's driven by fundamentals um, of increased demand and the, the lack of supply. So I think it's, it's a lot more sustainable this time. And Ella, you also mentioned that you spoke to Jeff Power and Scott Pickering. Uh, as I believe, Jeff is a commercial merino breeder who lives around 300 k's north of Adelaide. He is the immediate past president of Livestock South Australia, the chairman of Shearer and Wool Handling Training, and also the chairman of the National Wild Dog Control Steering Committee. That's right, and I spoke to Scott, who is from the northwest of Esperance in WA. So he's been the chairman of his local wild dog committee since 2004 and is also a member of the Australian and State Stud Merino Breeders Association, whilst also being the Western Australian spokesperson for wild dog control. Scott said his biggest issue in his area 
is wild dog control. Well, basically, vermin control. Like in my area in Esmonds, we are ba- we're surrounded by uh, bacon crown land, so wild dogs are an issue when they cross over the farming land. Uh, that seems a big issue for us, and it seems to be getting worse. Uh, I mean, it's a great time to be in the merino interest, so we've really got to get on top of this, the dog problem and the vermin problem as well. Uh, we're really pushing for a state barrier fence around Esmonds so we can... Um, we can control these the vermin for our property and, and just build our businesses. And as you said earlier on, Ella, Jeff is heavily involved in Shearer and Wool Handler training. Yeah, that's right. He's been working a lot in this space and is seeing some fantastic results. Here he is. With the help of AWI, um, we've got a program going in South Australia where we're training um, quite a few young shearers and uh, wool handlers. As a matter of fact, we also with AWI uh, help and funding, for the last two years we've sent uh, the best of those people over to New Zealand for six weeks and they've come back as mentors to other young people. And interestingly, um, one of those guys started off a shearing, say, about 20 sheep a run. Now both those shearers that went last year are shearing over 300 a day. So it's a program that I, I reckon is really working well. Uh, it's getting young people into the industry and it's getting good young people into the industry, fine, upstanding citizens. I haven't actually really been to a shearing school. Could you explain a little bit more about the program? Yeah, the program, uh, there are videos taken of these young people as they work, and um, they look at those videos at night and they see what they're doing wrong and what they can do better. Uh, The other thing is they learn to to sharpen combs and cutters. They, uh, uh, They do yoga and other exercises to... Uh, keep their body in good shape so it's, a, it's, yeah, it's just not learning to shear but it's the, all, all the other things that go with um, tutoring young people to come into the industry to keep them fit and well and so they're going to be in the industry for a long time. And it's a great time to be in the industry we're seeing a few more young people getting back into the, the sheep industry which is good uh, I think that's that's going ahead in our area. I mean, cropping's sort of uh, been a big part of the Esmonds area, but livestock are now seeing livestock are very part of that well, that problem, and we've got to get back into livestock, and people start to see it, which is good. And you know, we're working with the next young next generation because we've basically lost a whole generation of sheep handlers. You know, when when the reserve price seen. Um, collapse back in the late 90s like we're just trying to get another generation back involved and it's it's really pleasing to see because that's where the industry's got to go you know we're relying on young people. Scott so you were saying that you're looking at a fence to stop wild dogs what else do you do in your area? With our dogging group you know we're um, people are a bit more proactive on that because they can um, see what damage they do so that's why vermin control is pretty critical in our area and it's, you know, we've been working closely with AWI as our group. And, um, you know, I think it's, as I said, it's a great time to be in the industry. It's never been better in my farming career anyway. And, um, you know, we've got a few negatives, but I think uh, that clean green image of wool is a great selling point all over the world. And I think uh, the way we've been marketing through AWI and places, it's really, you can really see it on the world stage. I mean, production hasn't gone up, but I think um, the way that's been marketed, and I think the future's looking really good. And Jeff, do you have the same sentiments, or look, do you think there's issues? Oh, look, I, no, I've, I've got the same sentiments as what Scott has. Um, look, it's just fantastic. I'm noticing, you know, we go to a meeting now, and we've got young people in the room. Uh, prior to that, as Scott said, we'd lost a generation. I'd even go further and say we'd lost a generation and a half. But 
you know, we're seeing these young people come into the industry. They're smart young people, they're well educated, and they've got a lot to offer. And as I move around the bush, I see a lot of optimism out there. Uh, AWI have done a fantastic job uh, yeah, with their marketing. Uh, I've never seen the industry look better for both red meat and wool. And the vibes I'm getting uh, that maybe, you know, you, you'll have a little few ebbs and flows, but overall, the future of the industry looks very bright. Well, Ella, a huge range of people there at the National Wild Dog Committee uh, from a wide range of geographical areas across Australia. The AWI co-funded project Community Wild Dog Control Initiative was launched in 2011, and in the past seven years, the program has funded more than 170 groups in helping to support wild dog affected wool producers. There's currently 33 active groups in the program who are at varying stages of their maximum 36-month program. We're continually receiving new applications from groups seeking AWI's support as part of this program. And if you'd like further information on this program, head over to wool.com and we'll post the details for this in the show notes below. You're listening to The Yarn, a podcast for the Australian wool industry. Please subscribe to the podcast and write a review on iTunes. It helps other wool growers find the podcast. I'm Ella. And I'm Ben. It's been great having a yarn with you.